I think a lot of people kind of blame themselves, you know, kind of a, a view it as sort of a moral failing in terms of when, you know, they're they're dealing with some, whether it be a mental health condition or just some some symptom that's related to the brain where, you know, it can really be drastically improved if you fix kind of if you improve the biology of the brain, oftentimes that, you know, improves our psychology. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski, and you are in for a treat today because we are going to talk about the brain. <laughs> we haven't um, we haven't really talked about that uh, much on this podcast, and I was approached by a gentleman. Uh, I've mentioned it before that there's a really cool site. It's kind of like a Tinder for podcasters called matchmaker.fm, and we can connect with others who uh, have great podcasts that we'd perhaps like to be a guest on or um, vice versa. So Toby Passman is joining me today and we're gonna, like I said, talk all about the brain. Um, He is a neurophysiology researcher, founder of an applied uh, neuroscience company that talks about and works on brain mapping. And he's, I'm gonna let him explain all of that because I'm fascinated by this. And really what I'm fascinated about, just as, again, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know if we find something that we can learn that can help those that struggle with addictions, eating disorders, you know, just struggle with things in life. We can find things and learn about that and then share that with others so it can help other people. That's what it's all about, I think. And so that's what Toby's done. He's done that research and he's, and it's again, fascinating what he shared with me briefly. So we're going to get right into it and talk about the brain and what you're doing and how it can help those that it can help. And so welcome to the podcast, Toby. I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much for having me on Moira. I'm really excited to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more from you. Um, You know, why, why the brain, why studying that for you? Like, how did that come about? You're a young, you're a young guy. People can't see you, but um, you're a young guy. And like, how did you get interested in this type of study or helping people this way? I was always just a super curious kid. I was always thinking about my thinking and thinking about why people behave in the ways they do. And I guess that sort of led me into reading some pop psychology and pop neuroscience books starting in high school. But what really did it for me was a biopsychology class I took in undergrad that I found fascinating basically just learning about like the biological basis of how the brain works on an electrical and chemical level. And then realizing that uh, we can actually modify those electrical and chemical impulses through a variety of different technology, which I've since uh, kind of started to work with. So that's kind of briefly been my path into this, this sort of world. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. So it's because sometimes people have a experience themselves that they've used a certain technology or a certain type of therapy or things like that, but that's not necessarily the case with you. You just kind of learned about it and were fascinated by it. I definitely have experimented with uh, some of the different technologies specifically uh, for, uh, I would say definitely for social anxiety that I struggled with definitely a lot growing up and realizing that you know, there were certain uh, neurostimulation protocols that I found that greatly increased my verbal fluency, which was something, I guess, kind of part of my social anxiety that I always kind of had difficulty, you know, kind of grasping for words and, uh, you know, it would take me a long time to, to sort of think of what I was trying to say. And I found specifically uh, a certain montage, which is basically referring to the electrode placement. So stimulating the connections between two regions of the brain that I found to be super helpful in, in increasing that verbal fluency. So that's, that's just one example of, of how I've found neurostimulation in particular to benefit me, but I've noticed great improvements just with overall cognitive functioning, my own kind of uh, mood, anxiety levels, lots of different stuff, sleep, uh, sleep improvements, so I, I kind of have seen, you know, it work for me firsthand and then also just working with uh, many patients and clients uh, over the last few years who've also reported similar, really beneficial changes. So I kind of just solidified that I definitely wanted to, to continue pursuing this as a, as a career and start a business in this. So that sounds, um, I don't know like stimulating the brain, like, again, explain for the, I mean, I, I'm familiar with this a little bit, but let's, ex, you know, just kind of break it down or explain it for the audience. When you're talking about that, is that something that you have to go into surgery for? Is it something you can do just with nobody cutting into your head? You know what I mean? I mean, you're stimulating the brain. So how do you do that? I guess that, I mean, I just want to make it really simple for people to understand this because I know that this is some pretty cool science and it really does help people. No, that's a great question. And there certainly is, there are forms of stimu of brain stimulation that do involve surgery. For instance, deep brain stimulation is something that's used by neurologists to treat, I believe, some forms of epilepsy. But the neurostimulation that I work with is non-invasive. It's very low intensity neurostimulation. So it gently guides the brain into different brainwave patterns by stimulating an electrical frequency that the brain then entrains to. So to back up a little bit, the brain kind of runs on these, uh, these uh, electrical and chemical impulses. So we're able to measure the, elect uh, the electricity of the brain. And then with neurostimulation, we can stimulate a certain electrical frequency and then the brain follows that lead and then entrains to that whatever frequency uh, you stimulate. So how this kind of looks for a client or patient who is doing this type of uh, work, we basically put a little bit of uh, paste, uh, a, kind of a little bit of an abrasive uh, gel and kind of wipe off a certain area of their head, you know, wherever I'm going to be putting the electrodes. And then they just have uh, either usually between two to four electrodes put on at various different parts of their head and then the stimulation gets run. So people feel kind of like a mild tingling, but it's not at all painful. It's very gentle. 
And yeah, that's, that's kind of how this neurostimulation works. Okay, cool. And so is that a one-time, again, as you're talking about training, you know, is it something that you just kind of do a few times and then the brain kind of gets trained to, you know, act a different way, or if you will, I'm not sure enough for using the, the right terms, but is it something that one and you're done, or you have to do it a few times, kind of see the improvements and whatnot? Is everybody individual, kind of how they handle something like that? No, that's a great question. And I would say there's basically the differences between uh, in neuroscience, they, they describe uh, state changes and trait changes. So a state change might be that you take a drug and then for the course of the drug's actions, your, your state is altered. Um, but in or, you know, then you're kind of back to normal after you are off that drug. Now, if you were to take say an antidepressant medication every day, that's going to result in uh, trait changes because it's kind of producing these long-term alterations in, in brain activity that, that lead to real significant changes. So with just doing one session of neurostimulation, there's absolutely changes that are going on. Oftentimes people will report that they're sleeping, that they slept a lot better or that they feel a lot less anxious, even after the first stimulation session. So it, it starts to work very quickly, but we usually say in order for people to get really uh, solid, long lasting results, it often takes at least like five to 10 sessions of the neurostimulation to really entrain the brain uh, to make these significant changes in its electrical activity, because otherwise the brain will, will kind of just revert back to what it's used to. If it's been operating at a certain way for, you know, all of a person's life. And then, you know, you do one session where it's sort of training the brain to behave a little bit differently. The brain is going to, you know, inherently try to, to get back to what it's used to. So, so it is something that does usually require a course of, of neurostimulation treatments. And I mean, the way I think of it is usually the more, the better in the sense, you know, similar to like exercise where, you know, you could go to the gym a few times and yeah, it's going to be beneficial, but you know, you don't say that after you've gone to the gym for three weeks, you don't say, all right, well, I guess I never need to go back to the gym again. I guess my muscles are just set for life. So I view it in a, in a similar light. It's not a perfect analogy, but I definitely think the more sessions you do, the better the brain uh, becomes able to make these, these real significant long lasting changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm thinking again, what some people may be thinking, cause I was thinking this, you know, when someone has, they develop an addiction or they develop an eating disorder or they develop they become depressed or things like that, that weren't necessarily present at birth or whatever. I mean, somehow they develop this. Does the brain change? I mean, I guess that's the, that's the question because people might be thinking, okay, well, really like, does it, was the brain always this way? Or again, when somebody starts to have some type of, you know, substance abuse or addiction or eating disorder, is it that the brain is changing so much and that's why these things can help? Does that make sense as a good question? Because Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about right there is kind of the brain's plasticity. So neuroplasticity refers to the brain's ability to, to kind of change and rewire itself with new experiences, um, 
new actions. And this is something that works in both a positive and negative way in the sense that, you know, someone uh, could have, someone could be perfectly fine and then have a head injury. And then that is rewiring the brain. And then say they start becoming really anxious and depressed. Maybe that never had occurred prior to that head injury. So that's kind of an instance of neuroplasticity working sort of in a negative way. But on the other hand, you know, you take someone with uh, uh, some condition, we can absolutely improve their uh, functioning and their symptomatology based on, you know, utilizing neuroplasticity to actually increase blood flow to the brain, create new neurons, which is something that uh, researchers didn't even know was possible for an adult brain to create new neurons and new connections amongst those cells until a couple decades ago. So with the recent advances in neuroscience, it's become apparent that, you know, even difficult to treat conditions can now uh, be improved by kind of harnessing the power of neurotech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, I was a science major, you know, before I became a nursing major. So all this stuff is very fascinating. And, you know, for those that listen, and I know I mentioned this to you, to you, I, you know, represent a wellness company that has different supplements. And when you said that, I know that there's one of our products that I recommend that helps. It's some newer technology, if you will, but newer substance that helps with the uh, circulation to the brain and um, helps with those neuro, those neurotransmission and things like that. And so it helps that. And that because of that, it helps with focus, memory, concentration you know, it's a mind type of product. So we could talk about that later, but I was, you know, it seems like a similar type of thing that you could take. Sometimes you can take nutraceutical or take something that's going to help with that circulation, but this is cool technology that neurotechnology that can help with that too, you know, to help improve those things. And for that same reason, like I recommend, like when somebody says I struggle with perhaps ADD or attention, you know, tension things, or I can't focus on this. It's like, that's a product that I recommend they take regularly. Just like before you said, you know, the more, the better, like take it regularly so that you can continue to nourish your brain, you know, and get those synapses and things to continue to, to work at the proper level so that you can have that focus memory concentration. And I would also add, just add on to that, I think oftentimes these sort of different approaches are very synergistic in the sense that if, if someone is doing neurofeedback or neurostimulation and they're eating a really poor diet and sleeping two hours a night, it's not going to be nearly as effective as if, you know, someone, uh, a different person is taking really good care of their brain, taking these sort of brain supplements and nootropics to, to enhance their brain. And then they pair that with uh, neurotechnology such as neurostimulation or neurofeedback, they can op oftentimes amplify each other's effects. Mm -hmm. So I usually say, you know, it's not, not one thing or the other, it's, you know, the health of your brain is based on a handful of different things. And the tools that I work with, you know, are good tools to have in the toolkit, but stuff like supplements and diet and sleep, all of those things are super, super critical for the brain. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So when people talk about brain mapping, Let's talk about that. If you can explain, like, just again, what is that all about? And why would you even like, what are you mapping out in the brain? And how is that done? And then how, you know, again, why are we doing that? Because what is that then? When we look at that map, what's that telling us that we, you know, that we could then use for uh, to help somebody? Absolutely. So 
I'll start off by talking a little about uh, an EEG, which is the basic technology that is needed to record a brain map. So uh, for listeners who might not have heard of an EEG, it's short for an electroencephalogram, which is why it's sort of abbreviated EEG. It's kind of a mouthful. But basically what this is, it's a sort of a swim cap looking thing that goes on someone's head and records the electrical activity of the brain from a different, from a bunch of different points uh, across the scalp. And basically this shows up as uh, these squiggly lines, basically the, the raw data. And for someone, it, it might mean something it might not in terms of just looking at these, these squiggly lines. Uh, for someone like me who's trained in, in doing that, you know, I can sort of interpret uh, what that might mean, but it's not very visually appealing. So a QEEG, basically the, that raw data, the computer transforms that into uh, 2D images. So we're able to actually then visualize the brain, the electrical brain waves. So we're measuring, are they being produced in healthy quantities? Are they being underproduced or are they being overproduced? And in which areas of the brain is that uh, underproduction, overproduction, or healthy activity occurring in? So it kind of shows up as like heat maps. So the lighter colors will usually indicate underactivity with like the, say, solid blue being the most significant underactivity and then kind of going to like, you know, more of a light blue turquoise is, is a little bit less severe underactivity. Uh, and then you have, on the other hand, the warmer colors indicating overactivity with, with kind of yellows and orange indicating mild to moderate overactivity with uh, red being pretty significant, severe overactivity. So basically what the brain map kind of gives us a, an idea of how each person's brain is working and what basically matching that up with their symptoms or what they're wanting to improve, we can then see, often see, uh, make connections in terms of what brain region might not be uh, working correctly or might not be communicating correctly with another brain region in a specific frequency. So that's basically then able to help us target uh, or tailor specific neuromodulation protocols uh, based off what we're seeing in the brain map. Because what might work for one person's brain uh, might actually be kind of harmful for another person. If, if someone is struggling with inattention, can't concentrate, we might put them on a faster uh, simulation protocol, maybe to increase uh, beta brain waves, which are really kind of the faster uh, brain waves that are really critical for, for focus and motivation and, and all that. But you take someone with like anxiety or PTSD, they often have a vast overproduction of those beta brain waves. So they might actually have worsened symptoms if we gave them a beta protocol. So that's why the brain map is essential in terms of like being able to see what each person's brain is doing on an electrical level. And then we can then put together a protocol that's going to be best suited for each person's uh, unique neurophysiology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is fascinating because just like you said, sometimes, and I've seen that in the eating disorder world that, you know, one thing doesn't work for everybody, unfortunately, you know, one way of doing things. And, and if you can get more specific, like this is really specific to say, you know, I'm underproducing this, or this is overstimulated. So we shouldn't give a medication that might 
increase this or an amino acid that might help to be a precursor to serotonin if there's too much, you know, those all, it's, it's very fascinating to me. I think it's really, like I said, I'm a science geek. So I think this is really cool. But again, I think the most important thing is that like, wow, how specific can you get to then really be able to help somebody and not be kind of like shooting in the dark wall and by saying, well, most PTSD or most anxiety, this is what works for them. Well, maybe not everybody, right? It doesn't work for hundred percent. So this is really a nice, a promising, hopeful way to really be more specific and really help those that perhaps things haven't helped for them before. There's a, a well-known psychiatrist, Dr. Daniel Amen, who, who runs the Amen clinics. And he's uh, kind of famous for saying that this expression where he says that psychiatrists are the only medical doctors that don't actually examine, uh, or they don't take a look at the organ in which they're treating. You know, if you had something going on with your heart, you might go to the cardiologist and they're going to run stress tests and EKGs and whatever else. But if you go, you know, in this day and age, if you go to your local psychologist or psychiatrist's office, you might just kind of tell them what symptoms you're, you're having, and they might put you on medication or multiple medications, but they're not actually really taking a look at what the brain's actually doing and what medications would, as you're saying, be helpful or maybe hurtful. So I think implementing tools like, like brain mapping or in Dr. Amon's case, he does uh, spec scans, which uh, examine the blood flow to the brain. Like doing stuff like this is is super critical, uh, and I think is really going to kind of revolutionize the way in which we go about um, both treating mental health disorders, along with just the whole peak performance and, and wellness crowds too, who, who are just looking to maximize their cognitive performance. Right. Right. Which reminds me, that's right. We have talked about the brain once before here. And I think I mentioned that to you that I've interviewed uh, Cindy Shaw from Canada and she did talk about Dr. Amen too. She's done a lot of uh, studying of him and um, she has a better brain Institute. And so again, I'll refer that I'll put that in the show notes so people can go to that. Cause again, that talks more about more of the nutrition around better brain um, the better brain and and so again, get pulling some of that uh, that she had learned from Dr. Amen, which is fascinating. And I've mentioned it to you. I've mentioned it on the podcast a couple of times too. When we talk about again helping the brain and the nourishment to the brain, sometimes it is for those that have diagnoses like PTSD, eating disorders, anxiety, superior depression. But there's also those that maybe peak performance, or someone like me who I mentioned to you that I was feeling a few things that weren't exactly right. And I eat well and I, I wasn't, but I wasn't sleeping well. Um, I was having some hormonal things, some anxiety around this whole pandemic. And uh, I was introduced to somebody who started to talk about amino acid therapy, meaning that taking specific amino acids, which again, I have protein shakes and all kinds of things that I, I get amino acids, but these are really specific targeted for to help again give the brain the proper nourishment that it needs so that it can function well and we won't go into that today because i want to have this time for you but it's that same idea that because as i did these i followed this protocol that was recommended to me i started to sleep better i started to have less anxiety or less feeling of doom and things like that with 
things going on in life. And so, and it's because, and that was all that I changed. I didn't change anything else. I just added those specific amino acids in this regular protocol that was recommended. And it's really helped me a lot. So it's just cool stuff. Cause as she, as Cindy explained to me, you know, if you have a car, but the engine isn't really tuned up and it's not, you know, it's got all kinds of issues and the wires are not working well or connected in the car, but you're putting all this premium gas in, it doesn't, it's not really going to run at the optimal level because that stuff on the inside, the wires aren't connected, you know, all it's not really optimized on the inside. So you got to get that like the brain optimized. And then when you do the mindfulness, when you do the nutrition, when you do some of these other things, it really works well. Like it really optimizes your brain performance when you've got that all going on. That makes sense. (laughs) No, well said. I I think a lot of people kind of blame themselves, you know, kind of view it as sort of a moral failing in terms of when, you know, they're, they're dealing with some, whether it be a mental health condition or just some, some symptom that's related to the brain where, you know, it can really be drastically improved. If you fix kind of, if you improve the biology of the brain, oftentimes that, you know, improves our psychology. So if everything's working really well on a, on a biological level, it's going to be way easier to, to get restful sleep, to feel happy, to, you know, to experience all of these things that we're wanting to experience connections with other people. So, you know, what, what oftentimes people view those as some inherent flaw with themselves, it really is just comes down to the the wiring of their brain. And as we've been talking about on the show, if you know what to do, you can alter and improve that wiring. Right. Absolutely. Do you have any, cause I know that you've worked with, you worked at a, was it a substance abuse facility? Do you have any, of course, keeping names out and things like that, but do you have some examples of how this type of technology has, you know, helped, helped, you know, a specific person or just kind of, kind of how they were before. And then they use this. And as a result, do you have some examples like that, that you can share? Yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, I, I worked with a lot of people, I would say at first, you know, who are very skeptical that this technology was going to do anything. They were not at all believers in this, but um, oftentimes after a handful of sessions, just people would report uh, lots of improvements in their sleep, anxiety levels. Um, It'd be super helpful for people who are working to come off, you know, certain substances, which often result in difficulties with, you know, they're, they're coming off you know, alcohol for that. They've been drinking a fifth of whiskey every night for the last five, 10 years. And when they stop doing that, it's going to be pretty difficult then to, to sleep or to feel relaxed. So the, uh, I've seen just the neurostimulation in particular be very efficacious for, for reducing those withdrawal symptoms in those, in those patients and kind of helping to stabilize the, the electrical activity that has kind of been altered for a long time with, um, either, you know, with, with drugs or alcohol. So it's something that, you know, very quickly can rewire the brain and kind of help people very quickly start feeling better, which then results in, you know, if they're sleeping better, they're, uh, you know, they're feeling better throughout the day, 
then they have more energy to, to exercise and they exercise and that's improving their brain. And then they're also paying attention to what they're eating. And that's, you know, so it, it kind of can, can lead to this succession of real positive changes that people are able to make. And I think that's definitely a unique, you know, thing about uh, neurostimulation specifically is just how it's able to rewire the brain so quickly and, and really jumpstart people and get people back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, now people may, cause I asked you this question, people may be thinking too, they're like, Oh, neural stimulation. So that's like that shock therapy that people talk about. And like, that's not supposed to be good. Right. Because that, you know, can lead to short-term memory loss. And, you know, that's the one flew over the cuckoo's nest or whatever. So again, you explained that. And so there's that, I want to make sure that you kind of mentioned the difference. Cause that was really interesting the way that you talked about the frequency or something, but then also like that, this versus, cause there's also TMS, I believe, that's just like magnetic type of stimulation. So explain first why this isn't so, cause again, there are, what is that ECT? There are certain, um, and I know somebody, I have a friend who that that has worked tremendously for her. So there certainly are places for all of these, but just explain the difference between those two so that people understand that. Uh, that's a very important distinction to make because it's funny, people, the, the most common thing when I would be kind of introducing people to neurostimulation, the most common thing that I would get asked is, right? You know, is this shock therapy going to shock my brain? And so, yeah, people, people often still have that image in their mind, you know, that one flew over the cuckoo's nest of electroshock therapy um, when it comes to neurostimulation. And what they have in common is that they're both, you know, working on the electricity of the brain, but it all comes down to the dosage. So with uh, the very low intensity neurostimulation that I work with, it is somewhere between usually uh, one to two milliamps of electricity that's kind of being input to the brain. Whereas contrasting that with shock therapy, I believe it's somewhere between like 500 to 700 milliamps. So it's a huge difference in the dosage. And I believe, I'm not sure the specifics with TMS, but that also, you know, uses uh, significantly more intensity in terms of uh, its stimulation and both TMS and electroshock therapy, you know, as you're, you mentioned with your friend, you know, people who have uh, hard to treat uh, intractable depression oftentimes do report really great benefits from both those therapies. But when you are stimulating the brain at such a high intensity, you often have side effects, such as memory loss that the people commonly report. So the, the lower intensity neurostimulation that I work with can often result in just as many improvements, if not more, but taking away all of those side effects that occur when you're kind of jackhammering the brain with, with so much electricity. So another kind of good analogy, I think that that helps people sort of conceptualize this is when you take something about, uh, when you take a look at kind of the chemical signaling of the brain, you take a certain neurotransmitter, let's say serotonin. Well, traditional antidepressants are usually going to work by kind of gently nudging up the levels of available serotonin in the brain. And this is oftentimes a sustainable thing that you know people can take every day for weeks, months, you know, even years. And 
Then on the other hand, you have another drug that also works on serotonin being MDMA. And MDMA, if someone was to take that every day, uh, that probably would, would be doing a lot of damage. It's kind of just pouring so much serotonin into the brain all at once that you know, the brain needs a chance to be able to uh, have a break from that and restore itself. So that's kind of just shows how, you know, the, the differences in terms of the dosage, even if it's both working on the same system, whether that be the electrical activity of the brain or the chemical activity, you, you can have drastically different effects depending on the dosage that's used. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and based on that, you know, certainly if anybody's going to do anything like this, um, be it, obviously there are certain equipment that you can't just do it by yourself, but there are, you know, there's ketamine, there's MDMA, there's things that people can get their hands on. And, and albeit again, there's stories in every one of those that ha it has helped people pull themselves out of, like you said, major depressive disorders, different addictions, um, all kinds of issues. And I say, you've, you got to work with somebody, you got to work with somebody like you or someone else that's trained in that. Even those people that go and do ayahuasca, you know, which seems so freaky, you know, they go and they're with at least the, the goop, what is it? The goop lab that Gwyneth Paltrow, if you've seen her shows, you know, I think that was like, they went together, right. To Costa Rica or something with somebody that led them through all of that. So you got to be with somebody, whatever you choose to do, you need to be with a trained professional that can help you, you know, for everything that you just explained, sometimes the dose that you got to make sure the dosages are right, or that there's somebody there that can really help you through what you're going through. Well said. And I would just add with, with, when it comes to the specific working with the brain that we're talking about, um, there's a couple certifications that if, if people are interested in you know, possibly pursuing different uh, neurotherapies, such as neurofeedback or brain mapping or neurostimulation, there's a couple organizations that offer certifications. So uh, people can look for a, a clinician with a BCN, which stands for a board certification in neurofeedback that's offered by the BCIA, uh, the Board Certification International Alliance, I believe. And then there's also one for uh, being able to read brain maps, which is called a, a QEEG diplomat or a QEEG uh, technologist uh, that's offered by the International QEEG uh, Certification Board. So, you know, when it comes to something as important as working with the brain, you know, you, you really want someone who's an expert in this, who has tons of experience and training, uh, when it comes to actually rewiring your brain. Cause if, you know, if, if someone, if this technology gets into the hands of, you know, kind of someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, you could potentially make someone's symptoms worse. Uh, you know, if you, as we were talking about earlier, if you have someone with who already is producing way too much, uh, say beta activity in their frontal lobes, and then someone decides, all right, let's, let's run a stimulation protocol to increase those beta brainwaves. People are often going to get a lot worse. So that's why it's super important to, to look for these uh, specific credentials when it comes to, to looking, you know, for someone to train your brain. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, very well said there too. And so you're going to, um, once you, I want to make sure that people know how to find you and what you're going to be doing, because you were sharing with me that you're going to be moving and going to be, you have your own company, right. And people that you help and things like that. So let's uh, tell them uh, a bit about that, what you're going to be doing and who you can help. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically over the past few years of utilizing this technology in different settings, I kind of feel like I I was able to get a sense of what worked, what didn't, and I had the desire to, to kind of branch off onto my own, and I'm going to be doing uh, a company in Miami, uh, in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area, where I'm going to be offering these different services, including brain mapping, neurofeedback, neurostimulation, and a couple other neurotechnologies that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet today, but I'm going to be offering that in a, for a, for peak performance or wellness. So because I'm not a licensed psychologist, I can't claim to be treating uh, a specific disorder, you know, so I have to be careful with the language, you know, in terms of we're not, uh, you know, we're not treating your anxiety. We're, uh, you know, we're alleviating tension or, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that, where you just have to be a bit careful with the language, but yeah, I, I basically realized that there was this kind of huge untapped peak performance and wellness market because uh, this technology is something you usually find in a psychologist or psychiatrist's office, or maybe a neurologist has it. But people who are just looking, you know, the same sort of people who go to uh, high end yoga studios and cryotherapy and shop for organic foods, people who, who really care about the health of their bodies and brains, I feel like this kind of world of, of neuromodulation is really the next frontier. So I'm going to be offering these services to the Miami Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, so if you check out Roscoe's wetsuitneuro.com, you can find out, uh, you can read about all of this information. Uh, you can book a session on there. Uh, also go ahead and sign up uh, for our newsletter to just keep up to date with when all of this is actually going to be unfolding. You can sign up for free on the website. So I would definitely direct people to check out uh, Roscoe's wetsuitneuro.com. Uh, you can also uh, find us on Instagram at Roscoe's wetsuitneuro. And uh, yeah, I, I would say uh, definitely if anyone is in South Florida and interested in this, uh, there are some very exciting things on the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really cool uh, that because again, with my work with, um, with Shackley and the wellness uh, that I've been a part of, we have a pure performance team of Olympic athletes. And so at some of the uh, conventions I've been to, the Olympic athletes will come and speak. And I thought about it when you were talking about that, because one of the athletes, when they were talking about, I think it was one of the curlers or something like that, you know, they're like, well, what are some of your favorite Shackley products? And you figured, oh, it's going to be the protein shakes and, you know, and the hydration. And a lot of people like that, but this particular guy, remember he said, I like the mind works because it's, again, it's that product that I mentioned before that helps him focus. And when I, whatever he was, again, if he was a curler or whatever, but in that high intensity of an Olympic sport, and performing, he wanted to make sure that he was the most focused and he had the best attention that he could. And I thought that was really fascinating. It kind of like is right 
it goes right along with what we're talking about and what you're moving into that peak performance. And perhaps someone doesn't want, or maybe they've been on antidepressants for, or anti-anxiety meds for a while, but they just don't want to be on that. This is a wonderful way to step into this, you know, world, if you will, and get some help for your brain. That's not a medication, you know, pharmaceutical that you're taking. And I'd say just in the way that, you know, people go to the gym, even if they don't have a shoulder injury, you might actually avoid the gym when you have a shoulder injury. But when we think about mental health and people visiting psychologists or psychiatrists for these different treatments, it's usually once, you know, there's a significant problem that's, that's created a lot of issues in that person's life. But what if you could actually use these different neurotechnologies along with uh, like supplements and amino acids, like you're talking about to just improve, you know, an already somewhat well-functioning brain. And you can often stave off a lot of the issues that might, you know, come along if you're not taking good, healthier brains. So I think kind of this preventative uh, stuff is oftentimes the, the best way to go about things. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's what I, that's why I love wellness. Um, I love the science too, you know, coming from my nursing background and now being on this side for many years, this is a really cool way to do things. Again, pharmaceuticals are certainly a place for those, but I think that this is fascinating, a way to help with prevention and just nourishing your body, be it with great n- brain stimulation, um, nutrition, sleep, you know, good friends, those type of things. It's such a great, better way to be, you know, I think. So um, I really thank you today for all, everything that you, I know that again, we had lots that we could have talked about too. There's lots more, but I'll, you know, in the show notes will be a link to your website, to your podcast. People can learn a lot more from there as well as get connected with you. Like you said, uh, if you're in that uh, South Florida area or just want to chat and connect and you know, sign up for something, but really, um, appreciate it. Toby, any last words for, um, for the listeners? Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure uh, being on the show more. Uh, and I would say just, uh, leaving the listeners with just that no matter, you know, what is going on in your life, no matter how good or bad that you feel, you know, you can kind of all link that back to the health of your brain. And if something is, if, if you're not happy with, uh, your life or not happy with your relationships or financial status, whatever it might be, it's all tied back to the brain. And since we can improve the health and, uh, functioning of the brain, you know, there's always hope for people, no matter what, what you're dealing with. If, if you, you know, work with someone or, or just read and, and kind of hack your brain, uh, you can, you can absolutely reverse a lot of issues and, really just enhance your life overall. Yeah, that's great. And that's what this podcast is all about, uh, is to just share that story of hope. And um, you've done it really well today. So I appreciate that. Um, Again, thanks again. Um, All the, you know, everything that we talked about again will be, or at least the links will be in the show notes. I'll link to uh, Cindy's podcast as well. So you can listen to that. Uh, with Dr. Amen's work as well. And um, I'll put that link to to Dr. Amen because he's got some fascinating things to, to learn from there. So thanks again, Toby. Thank you listeners. I hope that you um, were as excited about this podcast as I was and learned a lot. And um, that's what it's all about having hope that um, and knowing that we all deserve to live a great life um, filled with hope and happiness. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.